Well, Merry Christmas. Whether you're joining us here in person or you're joining us online, we're so glad that you are with us today uh, at a place that we call Shepherd's Gate. And as you can see, we are very kid and student friendly here. In fact, I know there's lots of kids in the service this evening, so kids, go ahead and wave at me. Go ahead so I can see you. Uh, parents, if they get a little squirrely, don't worry about it at all. It doesn't bother me at all. We just are so glad to have them here. And kids, just so you know, we have lots of things throughout the message uh, that I'm going to need your help with. In fact, I want to start off right at the beginning with asking the kids a question. Okay, kids, can you hear me? Yeah. All right, here we go. Did you help your parents decorate for Christmas? Yeah. You did. All right, did you help them decorate the inside decorations? like putting ornaments on the trees, all right, and, and maybe helping, maybe your mom's got one of those villages that she let you touch her ceramic homes. <laughs> no, okay, good. Now, parents, remember, you're in church, all right? How many of you parents, when your kids went to bed, readjusted the decorations that your kids at home? Anybody want to admit? Okay, hey, honesty works here. Kids and adults alike, do you ever wonder why we do some of the things that we do this time of year? I mean, what is the history of Christmas? Why do we go and, and take trees that are perfectly fine trees? It is. Hold on to that because I'm going to come back to it, all right? And I want you to help me. Um, we take perfectly fine trees, right? Those of us that go and get real trees, and we kill them, and we drag them in our homes, and we put them up in the corner, and we put what we put on them. We put lights on them, and then we turn all the lights off in the room, and we just gaze at the Christmas tree, don't we? And we just go, we're like in this, in this feeling of awe, because there's something calming about light. There's something soothing this time of year, and this is the darkest time of the year for us, especially in Michigan, when seeing light just brings some sense of peace. Now, how many of you, you do outdoor decorations? Anybody here, you do outdoor decorations? Kids, do your parents let you help with the outdoor decorations and, call, and go all the way up on the ladder as high as you can possibly go and decorate the trees? Well, my family and I did something interesting a year and a half ago. We decided we should move during a pandemic, so we did. Uh, and we bought a new house, and so we decided that it would be interesting uh, to just redo all of our decorations. Like, let's just, let's just go to the store, let's buy all new Christmas lights, and if you remember last Christmas, neighbors weren't really talking to each other, so we wanted to make a good impression on our, on our new subdivision, on our new neighbors. So we bought all new Christmas lights, and the boys, I have two boys, we went out there with the ladders, and we spent days, literally days, putting up the most extravagant show that we could possibly think of. I mean, my hands, my knuckles were literally bleeding from being wrapped and trying to make it as professional as possible. And wouldn't you know, that a couple weeks later, some of the lights started going out. And way before Christmas, because last year we put up our decorations way before even Thanksgiving, half the lights didn't work. And I said to my wife, Lisa, I said, you imagine the impression we are making on our neighbors right now? They're going to think we're the bums that moved into the subdivision and just brought our old lights from our old house. Like, this is terrible. We haven't even met them yet. And so this year I said, we're going to up our game. We're going to show them that we love Christmas here at the Bollinger House. And so because I'm frugal, I waited till Black Friday. And I bought, ready for this? LED lights. Man, those things are expensive, aren't they? 
And I said, boys, grab your jackets, grab the ladders. We're going out, and we're going to do this right this time. And so we went out there, and we decorated everything to the best possibility that we could. When it got dark, we wanted to see our house all lit up. And so I bought one of these timers so that the Christmas lights would come on at 5 p.m. And again, because I'm frugal, I wanted them to go off at 11 p.m. And then I thought, you know, there's people that work in the morning, or maybe there's people that are getting off early in the morning. Let's let them go back on at 5 a.m. and go off at 8 a.m. Isn't that nice of me? And part of this is, is that I love to wake up early, and I love to go and sit on the couch in our front room and to look out at the lights, because I find peace in that. In a world that's turned upside down, in a world that's hard to navigate, dealing with personalities and people that are just prickly, can we just admit that? Sometimes you just need a cup of coffee, you just need a couch, you just need a blanket to find some semblance of peace. And so that first morning when I went down and I sat on the couch and I looked out at what my boys and I had created, all of a sudden anxiety overtook me. And the reason is, is because all of the lights that we had just put up were all going spastic in different directions and chasing in different things. And to make a long story short, what I found out is, is we bought these LED lights, but there's eight different programmable things that you can make them do. And when they turn off and turn back on again, they go back to the first setting, which is just randomly going through all eight of the other settings. <laughs> so let me ask you, after two years of nuttiness, how's your Christmas going? How's Christmas 2021 for your household? That's good. That is good. So again, you're going to help me with this, right? Because not only the history of Christmas, why we even put lights on the outside of our homes, like who came up with that? What is the real history of Christ? Because it's his name that brings us together. It's his name, think about this, that literally almost every country in the world, except for a couple, but pretty much all the countries on our planet come to a screeching halt and December 24th and December 25th, people pause to ask, what is the real reason for this holiday? What is the real reason for Christmas? Now, if you're here today and maybe you're new, maybe you're new to the Bible, maybe you didn't grow up in a church, or you didn't, you know, you weren't part of a, of a Sunday school program or got to go to a parochial school, you were in the right place tonight. And if you're watching online, again, I'm so glad that you're here. You are tuned in to the right church because we're going to walk through Scripture together. In fact, if you were to come here on any other given week, any other Sunday, this is what our church loves to do is walk through God's Word because in God's Word, He tells us who He is. And He tells us what it is that He's done through His Son, Jesus. And check this out. He actually even tells us how the world actually ends. And all throughout history, all throughout human history, God has been and will continue to be sovereign. He's in control. He's orchestrating the events of our lives and even human history to place us exactly where he wants us. Because his biggest priority is to bring us close to himself. He wants to be in relationship with us. He loves us so much that he gives us his word and he gives it to us as a guide so that we could draw close to him. Now again, if maybe this is new to some of you, maybe you've been in church your whole life and you might not realize this, but as you open God's word and you begin to, to research, okay, well, where did this all start for Jesus? 
If we just start from there, where you have to go first is in the Gospels. There's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. Only two of the Gospels actually give us the account of what took place when Jesus was born. Matthew, he takes care of the details of telling us who Joseph is, who's going to be assigned to be Jesus' dad, as well as the wise men. Luke, since Matthew took care of those details, he handles Mary, the mother of Jesus, as well as the angels. And so when you put them together, you kind of get Mary and Joseph, shepherds and wise men. You have these other two gospel accounts. Mark doesn't talk about it at all, and John kind of has a little different twist on it. We're going to get to that in a moment. There's also these Old Testament books that were written hundreds of years before Christ was born. And what these books do is they prophesy. And prophesying is just a fancy way of saying they predicted what was going to happen in the future. And so they said, when Jesus comes into the world, this is going to take place. And it's going to take place in this town. It's going to take place with the virgin. It's going to take place in this format. And so you have some of the books of the Old Testament that speak about what the New Testament confirms. But as we go back to our four Gospels, and as as this year we prayed about, God, what is it that you're laying on our hearts? What is it that that we want to communicate to our community this Christmas? We kept going back to John. Now, John is very fascinating because John was the last gospel written. In fact, John was a very old man when he wrote John. So you're getting like grandpa's stories here. This is what's so cool. He's lived his whole life. Some of you, you know this. You've lived your whole life. You're getting toward the end. Imagine you writing an account of everything that you've experienced in your life. Imagine writing out your faith journey and wanting to pass it on to the next generation. And that's exactly what we get with John. Now, here's what's interesting. John was one of Jesus' closest disciples. There was 12 of them, but he was one of the three closest to him. In fact, when Jesus was on the cross and he's about to die, he looks down at none other than John and says, John, you're going to take care of my mother, Mary. You're the one that I'm assigning to walk with her through all of her earthly days that she has left. So imagine John, he would have had unprecedented access to Mary. He could have asked Mary, hey, tell me what it was like when that angel came in Nazareth and and met you. Tell me what it was like when you took that journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem because you were forced to by the Roman government to do the census. Mary, tell me what it was like the moment Jesus was born. What was that like when all of a sudden the shepherds showed up? What was that like when years later the wise men came and laid gifts and bowed down? to your son? What was that like when you had a journey to Egypt and back to Nazareth? What was Jesus like as a teenager? Wouldn't that be cool? He could have answered, and, and he could have had answered any questions that he wanted, but yet we have no record of John giving any of those details. In fact, he had access to Matthew and Luke, and so he, know what, he knew what they wrote, But through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is how God, working through John, explains who Jesus is, and it's incredible. And so what we're going to do is is what we do every Sunday morning. If you're comfortable and you want to grab one of the chair Bibles that are in front of you, please go ahead and do that. John chapter 1, the chair Bibles are on page 886 if you're in the front row, which is just you, and you're on camera, so nobody else but the camera guy. Uh, They're underneath the seat. And if you don't have a Bible tonight, And kids, this includes you as well. Kids, if you don't have a Bible or the one you have is hard to understand, will you please take 
one of our Bibles home with you this evening. Our church would love to give you that as a gift. Uh, and uh, we just love giving those away, so we would ask you to do that. Those of you that are watching online, you can click on the Bible tab and join us in that fashion as well. But here's John's account. Think about this. Toward the end of his life, had, had personal contact with Mary, wants us to know who Jesus is, who the real true God is, and this is how he starts off his account. It says, in the beginning was the word. So what does he do? He ties his gospel back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, because in Genesis 1.1 it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so he's saying, in the beginning was the word. Well, the word is Jesus. He goes on to say, and the word was with God. So Jesus is with God at the very beginning of creation. The word was God, so he's co-equal with God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made, and without him, nothing was made that has been made. You can see how he's connecting it to the creation story. He's explaining to us who our God is. That Jesus is not below the Father, that Jesus is equal to the Father. Jesus, purpose and a mission with his time here on earth. He goes on to say in verse 4, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. We're going to stop there for a moment because this is something that we all need to to just settle in tonight. That no matter how dark and bleak our world seems as times, Jesus has overcome it. John, when he was writing this, was writing at a time when, when Christians and Jews were under intense persecution. In fact, the person that was in charge of the government at this time was systematically going town to town, village by village, and slaughtering slaughtering Christians and Jews. They wanted nothing to do with them. And somehow he still has the ability to write these words that Jesus can shine in the darkness and the darkness is never going to overtake it. Remember that. If you jump to verse 9, he tells us the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Here's his Christmas message. Here's what he's saying. Here's how he's tying it back to to Matthew and Luke. That light is going to come into the world, and that light's going to be different, and that light's going to do something that nobody else will ever be able to do ever in the history of mankind. Well, he goes on to say in verse 10, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. See, for hundreds of years, the people of God just assumed that when the Messiah came, when God would send the Savior of the world, that he would send a king to overthrow the government. That that the king would then become the person that would rule over everybody on this earth. And their mindset was wrong. The perspective that they had, what they were hoping for, was, was off because it's not what God decided to do. He sent Jesus in the lowliest of fashions. He picked Mary and Joseph from Nazareth. And because of Old Testament scripture, had them go to Bethlehem and had Jesus be born in Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that that was spoken in the Old Testament. All of this, part of God's plan. That even as he's coming into the world, 
And even as shepherds and wise men find, find him and bow down and worship him, there was just as many people that would reject him, that say, we don't believe you. We don't believe you're real. We think this is just a cute story. This is fun to tell kids at Christmas time, or maybe this is just some narrative that somebody came up with, and since it's Christmas, and my grandma said I need to go to church, or my aunt says I need to go to church, or I'm dating this really nice girl, and she said I should go to church, but I don't know if I actually believe any of this. Listen to what it says next. It says, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Listen to me, and kids, you can listen to me in this as well. Every single one of you has been created by God. In fact, the Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. No one on this planet is like you. You are unique. No one has ever been created like you, and no one ever will be created like you. You are loved, and you are valued. You are God's prized possession, and he wants to walk in relationship with you. He loves you, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. In fact, this Jesus that he's talking about, this Jesus that John is explaining, one of the prophecies goes all the way back to a guy named Isaiah who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. He put it this way in Isaiah 9, 6. He said this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And what that sentence means is, is that God throughout human history will always rule above any government system that we try to create here on earth. And not only that, it says his name, Jesus' name, shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Are you here tonight and you, you're confused? You feel like you've lost direction. You're losing hope. And every time a tragedy happens, another natural disaster, another, you know, situation in your own personal life, and you just feel like you keep getting cut down. You're trying to navigate. Do you realize there is a wonderful counselor, someone that can give you direction, someone that can give you hope, someone that can give you peace? His name is Jesus. And not only is he a wonderful counselor, he's the mighty God because he created you. He's the everlasting father because as John already told us, he always has been and he always will be. And yes, he is the prince of peace. And the peace that he brings isn't world peace. He didn't bring world peace when John was writing this. He's not bringing world peace for us. Guess what? The peace that he brings isn't even a mental peace. It's a heart peace. It's when he becomes part of our lives and faith takes root in the deepest parts of us. And we begin to realize that maybe there's something greater. Maybe there's something so much better out there than any life in any world that we could ever try to create here on this earth. That's the peace that he's talking about. In fact, all of this, all of this came through and came to fruition and that's why we have Matthew and Luke. And so in Matthew... Matthew, the angel, tells Joseph, he, she said, uh, he says this, she will bear a son, so Mary's going to bear a son, and you're to call his name Jesus. This is why, because he's going to save his people from their what? From the world? No, from their sins. 
because you and I are sinners. We've all fallen short. We've all screwed it up, and we desperately need what it is that God offers us. Luke 2, verses 11. This one might be more popular. Kids, pay attention to this, because some of you might be familiar with this one. It says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, kids, how many of you, you've had a chance to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas special? How many? Go ahead, raise your hands nice and high. Look at how many kids have watched. I'm so glad that you're still watching that. And isn't isn't it the coolest part of that movie when they get to this, when Linus actually reads Luke chapter 2? And he explains the Christmas story to us. God's gift. God's gift of his son, Jesus. Well, it's interesting because we can't leave Jesus in the manger we can't just say, okay, well, we're going to celebrate a baby and, you know, call it a day, light a candle, and let's move on to whatever the next thing is. That's not the full story. That's not the full account of who Jesus is. In fact, Jesus was a toddler who grew into a preteen, who became a teen, who became a college student, who became a young adult, who became an adult, and at the age of 30, think about this, began to go out and to tell people that he was the Son of God. And this is how he told people he was the Son of God. John tells us in chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. And I can tell you this, if you follow Jesus, if you put your faith and your hope and trust in Jesus, even in a dark world, there is something that's going to be transformed and changed in your heart and your life, and you are going to see the world from a whole different perspective. Jesus also said this in John 12, I have come as a light to shine in the dark world. He admits it's a dark world, and he says, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. It's like, it's, like, it's like your eyes are opened and all of a sudden the craziness that takes place, some of the unexplained things that just bring us to our knees and make us want to cry out and go, man, I can't take this world anymore. It's God and his light and his grace and his mercy that makes sense of it for us. So let me ask you tonight, Christmas 2021, is the light of Christ in you? Is the light of Christ in you? Do you know what it means to have a relationship with the Lord? Some of you, maybe you have never been in church and this is the first time that you're hearing about who Jesus is and what he can do for you. Realize that God is moving in this moment right now. Maybe some of you haven't been in church in a long time or maybe you were raised in the church and you just said, you know what, I don't really need that anymore. I don't really want that in my life. I just don't see the value of that in my life. Listen to me, God loves you and he is bringing you back to himself. God wants to pour out his grace and his mercy into your life once again. He wants to show you that that you can trust him and that he can lead and guide you into a beautiful future that he has for you. You don't have to keep trying to control yourself and control your world and try to make sense of the things around you, but you can trust in him and have faith in him and watch him at work in your heart and in your life. It's the light of Christ in you. Because here's the thing. Jesus was born 
and he became flesh for us. But his ultimate mission was that that same human flesh would be hung on a cross. That he would stretch out his arms and he would allow them to drive nails into his hands and into his feet. That in a moment of time, the sins of the world would be placed upon his broken and bruised and beaten body. He became the ultimate sacrifice for us so that three days later, his flesh would rise and he, as a being fully human and also fully God, would take a step out of a tomb and declare victory over sin, death, and the devil for all eternity. God's light for you and for me. And his light continues to shine to this day. Amen? This is what it says in Philippians. That being found in human form, he humbled himself. Jesus humbled himself for you. He left the comforts of heaven for you. He said, I don't like the situation that my creation is in and I'm going to do something about it. So he becomes obedient to the will of the Father, even to the point of death, even if it means he had to go to the cross for you and for me. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And you get to have a relationship with this God. You get to have peace from this God. You get to receive forgiveness no matter what your past looks like, no matter how many times you've turned your back, no matter what you've said or done in this life. He will forgive you and he will restore you because that's what he came to do. Amen? If you're here tonight, maybe you're wondering how this whole thing ends. How does this end? God, what is your ultimate plan? This is how it ends in Philippians 9 and 11. It says, Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And do you realize in 2021, you and I have an opportunity to humble ourselves, to bow before the Creator, to bow before Jesus who died and rose again for us, just as the shepherds that night went to that manger and they bowed before the king, just as those wise men made that crazy journey all the way from afar off and they found baby Jesus and they bent down and they worshiped him. You and I have that same opportunity tonight. That is what Christmas is all about. Listen, as we are about to grab our candles and we're about to have live fire in the church, it's the only time of the year you get to do this, right? Kids, are you still with me? Just so you know, kids, I'm okay if you have live fire in this church. I don't know if your parents are okay with it, but I'm okay with it, so ask them before we do this. But listen, as you look at that candle, and as you see that flicker of light, realize that's a flicker of hope. Realize what that flicker stands for. It is a God who has come to this earth, who was born of a virgin, who ultimately went to the cross to defeat the darkness so that you and I could have life and have life for all eternity. Amen? Amen? And that's our desire for you, is to not leave here or to not leave wherever you're at watching this online without knowing the hope that you can have in Jesus. Will you please pray with me this evening? Heavenly Father, God, we love you and we thank you.
for the many blessings that you have given us in this life. And even with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening, God, in doing that, we take a posture of humility. Just as Jesus humbled himself for us. God, tonight I pray, if there's anyone here that's joining us online and they don't know you, God, we have presented your word. We know that your Holy Spirit is at work. So God, we pray that in this moment, that faith would begin to shape and form in their heart and in their life. And if that's you tonight, maybe you don't know the Bible, maybe you don't know all the particulars, but you know that something is missing. You know that God is moving in this moment. Whisper to him. Talk to him. He loves you. He created you. He knows your thoughts. He knows the burdens that you bear. He knows the struggles of your heart. And he wants to provide healing and hope to you tonight. If you're here tonight with your head bowed and your eyes closed and maybe it's been a long time since you've been in church or you've been out there trying to do it on your own and you've told your family, no, I got this, or you've told your friends, you know, I don't know if I need that in my life anymore and the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart, the Holy Spirit has grabbed your heart once again and is bringing you back to the foot of the cross for you to realize how precious and sacred and beautiful Jesus is. Would you also tonight whisper to a loving and gracious God who is using this moment to draw you back to himself? Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here or online. I know no one is listening to this message by accident. You orchestrated for them to be here by whatever means that may have been. And so God, now we ask that your Holy Spirit would continue to penetrate our hearts and our lives. May we always know who you are and what it is that you have done for us through your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our risen Savior and Lord. We pray all these things in his most holy and precious name. Amen.